Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 10, starting at about verse 37, but I want to to share a message with you this morning that I've simply titled, My Life, His Life. My Life, His Life. Say, My Life, His Life. And, And there are two primary ways that, that people know us by. How many of you know people know you? When they, when they think of you, they think of a couple different things. Number one, it's, it's by what we say. They know us by what we say, and then they also know us by what we do. No, by what we say and by what we do. Words are often used in two big ways. We can use them as weapons, or we can use them as keys. Right? We can unlock some things. We can either slice somebody up with the words that we use, yes? Or we can enhance their lives by the words that we speak, by the, the uplifting kind of language that we use. And it's not just the words that we say, but it's also coupled with the action behind the words. Come on, everybody. Right? And so we've got, we've got it's got to be congruent. It's got to be kind of good, all, all got to be together. So I'm a person who often, um, I, 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 oftentimes I'm thinking even as I'm speaking. So of the words that I'm speaking, sometimes you hear them the same time I hear them. Are you with me? And sometimes that can get me in trouble. You know what I mean? Right? But, but many people process information uh, differently, and we all actually process information differently when we write words out. How many of you appreciate a written letter? A little note, a little thank you, a little something along those lines, right? It means something extra special. It's so special to me to get something written down. Many of you, a few weeks back when we celebrated our 20-year anniversary here, um, many of you wrote us thank you cards and letters and just little little pieces of, of something just to say, hey, we love you and we thank you. And, and guys, those things mean the world to us. I'm just telling you, I, I don't know if you know this, I've, I've shared it before, but I have every, every note that anyone has ever given me in the last 20 years. And I have those because there are days where I need to read them. Come on. Because it's more the enemy than anyone else, but a lot of times the voices that I'm hearing, sometimes I need to, to combat those voices in my, in my mind. Hello? So I need to read the words, and you can, it's, it's amazing to me that when you just go back through and you read those, it takes you right back to that moment. Come on, everybody. Those things mean so, so much. When words are spoken, you only get them one time. But man, when they're written down, you can reflect on them over and over and over again. So very special. And so when Jesus speaks, when he speaks, when we read the gospel account of Jesus, the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the account of his life, when when he speaks in the word of God, it's usually not baby Jesus, meek and mild, right? It's normally what? It's usually strong, non-mushy words. Right, everyone? And when you read the Gospels, his words and his actions are congruent. Okay, meaning they match. They line up. They are aligned with one another. In my married life, there have been a few times when I walked into the house to find Gail in an awkward 
posture, things being shuffled around the house, like, and I would ask, hey, how's things going? What's going on? Are you, what's going on, right? Are you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> Which is universal language in marriage of, I'm not fine. <laughs> things aren't right. Come on, everyone. Men and women both do this. I would venture to say women do it more, but... <laughs> Fine. You okay? Yes. Yeah, it looks like it. Sounds like it. Congruent, right? I have plenty of my own things, just so you know. But some of the actions that we, that Jesus shows us in, the, in Scripture suggest some things for us. What we do or what we take away. The model that he leads for us. It, they challenge us. How many of you reading the accounts of Jesus challenges you? It's like, man, I am not like that. Right? What is up? And several of those are found in this passage in Matthew chapter 10. I want to talk to you about today. Matthew 10, verse 37. That's where we're going to say, jump in. And it says this, anyone, who does he mean right there? Yeah, literally anyone. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their, this is our harder one. Love you, mom and dad. They're not in here today. They're serving in kids' corner. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, when I read those words, those are challenging words. That bothers me. Does it bother you? Like Jesus is demanding that I love him more than my sons or daughter. That's weird. That's hard. Yes? Come on. We're supposed to love our neighbors, right? As ourselves, right? I, I, I thought we were supposed to do. We, and, we, and listen, we love you. Come on, everybody. But I, but I think the essence of this is, that, is this. Is he's saying, if you put me first, you'll love your mom and dad better, come on, than if you just love them on your own. If you put me first, you'll love that son or daughter more fully than you could on your own. Because I'm the one who teaches you how to love. I'm the one who shows you the example of what unconditional love truly means. And so you can strive all you want to, read all you want, study all you want, find great people who are wonderful examples. You will pale in comparison to the love of Jesus if we don't put him first goes on to say this, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. These are strong words from Jesus. Come on, everybody. It's who does not let his life go. He's saying, he says, these, the, these are interesting things that if you want to stand up, you kneel down. Right? If you want to be strong, you humble yourself. If you want your life to have, if you want, you, if you want to have life, you lose yours. Right? That's how it works in the kingdom. There's, a, there's an upside-down uh, uh, there's an upside down kind of, kind of economy in the kingdom of God. Come on, everyone. With these kind of things. And then there's this. Then there's this. If, in verse 38, whoever finds life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will find it for my sake. And then, where I really want to land today, verse 40. Whoever receives you, receives me. 
And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Receives him who sent me. Come on, church. Listen, we're an active, growing, loving church. I know right now there's a lot of seats. It's summertime, y'all. Come on, everybody. Right? Summer, summer, summertime. And people are, people are hit or miss, and they're in and out. But I'm telling you, we're moving toward the fall at breakneck speed. And in the fall, this church is going to swell. Okay? We're going to grow. We're going we're gonna to have. And guys, listen, there are new families showing up here all the time. And we love you. We thank you for being with us. We want to get to know you. We want to know all about you. We want you to know about us. We want to pull back the layers. You know, if you get close enough, you'll smell just like we will. Right? It's like, it's like peeling an onion. You go too deep, and it's like, ah! Right? By the way, pray for me. I still don't have my sense of smell back after the COVID thing. But my taste is returning. Praise the Lord. I'll just tell you guys, if, if you have not experienced that and lost your sense of, of taste, um, Gail has always been, this is a complete sidebar, but Gail's always been a big texture person when it comes to food. How many of you, texture is a big deal for you with food? It's not for me. It's never been for me. It is more for me now than ever before. The first time I had scrambled eggs with no flavor whatsoever. That is a weird sensation in your mouth. Like, what is that? I know what I'm looking at, but what is that? Probably why she doesn't like eggs. But, but thank God some taste is starting to return. My waistline isn't appreciative of that, but everything else is. What does this mean? Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. What does that mean? Well, I, I believe that when a hospitable spirit, more, when, when a welcoming spirit comes, the kingdom of heaven is identified in that. I, I believe there's something about kindness in the expression of hospitality. A smile, an open door, a welcoming spirit. Right, everybody? An invitation to sit by me, an invitation to come alongside, an invitation to engage in conversation, just the invitation of just an accepting look. So often, I think, is the key to open someone's heart to receive what the kingdom of God wants to bring into their world in that moment. And, and you may be here this morning and think, Pastor Derek, it's, it's a struggle for me to share my faith. It's not a struggle for you to smile. If it is, let's help, on get, let's help you get some prettier teeth, right? I'll get you some whitening toothpaste. How about that, everybody? Right? We'll, we'll, we'll help you with, come on, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Learn to smile when you see somebody. Learn to open your heart. Learn to, learn to be expressive in that way. Show them. Show them an acceptance, a welcoming spirit as you greet each other. Come on, everybody. There's enough resting Faces out there. Come on, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. <laughs> Come on. Man, change somebody's moment. Well, what's a moment? It's, it's the start of a day. It's the start of something new. It's an expression, right? So important. So important. In the first century, the Greek 
language, the, the, the Roman road, right? You, you often hear in, in Bible literature or, or, or discipleship, the, the Roman road. Um, it allowed the new, good news of the gospel to be carried around the Mediterranean. And, and, into, and, and Jesus and his followers were carried, the, the expression, the love, the, the story of Christ was carried into that culture, Right? And in an ancient world, the idea of identity was, was tied to family and community so much so that it was understood that showing hospitality, listen, when I welcome you, I welcome your entire family. That's what happened in that culture. When I open my home to you, I open my home to your entire family. When I welcome you, when I, when I invite you in, when I call you a friend, I'm a friend now to everyone that you know and are connected with. When I welcome you, I, I'm welcoming your community with you, who sent you and who they represent. And so if I welcome you, I automatically welcome your family. I automatically welcome those who send you, right, who are around you. Nothing is more embedded in the Eastern, Middle Eastern culture than hospitality, ladies and gentlemen. And Jesus and his followers were wandering teachers in that world. They were nomads. They, they would travel from, from, from here and there. And it was so important, I want you to see this, for the gospel to be propagated around the globe, for, the, for hospitality to be known, for hospitality to be something, a core value that people hold on to. For that to be something that, that we just be, where expre the expression of our lives literally opens the heart to receive the gospel message. And ultimately, that is what? That is Jesus to change the condition of a human heart. Because here's the deal. Everyone you know is going to live forever somewhere. You realize that? This body might die, but we're... Uh, this, this soul is eternal. We're going to live forever somewhere, either heaven or hell. But you don't get the choice of punching out and being over. So it's important as followers of Jesus, carriers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest message on the planet, the best news, right? It's not just good news. It's the best news. It's so important that we be people that understand that hospitality, that an open heart, an open hand, what that means and what it does in the lives of people. Not just the person, but everyone they know. You see it? And Jesus and his followers, they're wandering around in that world. They lived off the land. There are no holiday inns. There's no, there's no La Quintas. There's no, there's no Four Seasons. There's none, none of that. It didn't happen. And so, so what, Je what, could, what could Jesus mean by this statement? He who welcomes you welcomes me. What does he mean? He who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Well, whatever he's saying, he's, it has to be simple. Right, everybody? If you're going to take a message around the world back in that day. There's no Twitter or Instagram. You need to communicate effectively, clearly, concisely. Come on. And there's no internet. You couldn't text it. It had to go through people. It had to go through, and it couldn't be complex. You had a lot of illiterate people who couldn't even read. Okay, so it had to be very simple. If the whole world is going to be told the good news, it can't be a complicated, complex process. 
a lot of people today, they want it to be a complicated process. It, they have a hard time with the gospel of Jesus because it's so simple. Here, here's the gospel in a nutshell. I was broken. I couldn't pay for my condition. And a perfect God sent his perfect son in my place as payment for my sin, not his, my sin. Because love eclipses my own and extends to you. Are you with me? So Jesus comes, pays for the sins of humanity on the cross of Calvary, and rises again from the grave, defeating death, hell, the grave, the enemy himself. Satan thought he'd won, and Jesus was like, I'm just taking a nap. For I'll whoop you in front of the world for all eternity. Right? The ultimate beatdown. I'm going to confine you to the lake of fire forever. In torment. Satan's being tormented right now. You realize that? And will forever be. Because when you oppose Jesus, you align with Satan. Let's say it one more time. When you oppose Jesus, you align with Satan. This message has to be simple. The world will not be won by me standing up here talking. You realize that, right? Back in the early 1920s, there was a missionary called, named Dr. Frank Lubach, who became famous for an idea called each one teach one or each one reach one. There's a lot of variations there. And the idea was this. When I share something with you about Jesus, okay, it won't be everything because I don't know everything, okay? Um, but that little piece I share with you, you turn around and share it with someone else, right? And you tell your neighbor and they share it with someone else. And then I'll tell you another thing and on and on and on it goes. And each one teaches one and we become people of the word of God. We become people of the spirit of God. And so when you are invited in, when you're invited in and are made welcome, what happens? Divides are bridged, right? Walls come down. Understanding starts to, to, to dawn and the implications are amazing. My little sister has been a missionary for years now. She's traveled all over the world and helping other missionaries. And for a time, she spent a few years in Thailand. And when my mom and dad, mom and dad went there, my mom went first. And she, she went and spent some time with Amy. I think mom and dad went. I don't know which They've both been, but mom went another time. <laughs> That's what I mean. And, and I remember mom going there, and one of the things that Amy was doing at that time is they were helping in orphanages, and my mom got to go, and she went to the orphanage, and she sat on the dirt floor in the orphanage and played with children. And then, then they shared a meal with the kids. And actually, we helped, or during the trip, they bought mattresses for every kid in the orphanage because they're like a couple bucks each, but those kids don't have a couple bucks, right? So when they arrived, they welcomed them, and they sat on that dirt floor, and they ate rice together. Come on, everybody. 
And what they didn't realize is this. When they welcomed Amy, my little sister, they got her whole family. And her whole family includes you. So you touch lives of children in Thailand that you didn't know, you didn't know about it, you don't know their names, but God knows all about it. And they forever will be changed because of your hospitality, because of Amy's hospitality, because my mom and dad, because, because when they welcomed them, they welcomed all of us. Come on, everybody. Why does this happen? Why, the, why, why does that happen? Well, because this thing that Jesus says is practical. He's the most practical person in the universe. Okay, sometimes people are like, I don't know, it seems really complicated. It's super simple, right? See, when you put skin on words, when you put skin on a message, when it comes in human form, it changes the entire dynamic, right? When, it, when, it's, when it's philosophy and it's a concept, that's, that's challenging. But when it's a human and he's living it out in front of you, that's different. Right? I mean, when it comes to human form, it changes that entire process. If Jesus had thought that the good news was just information, he could have written it in, he could have written Jesus loves you in the sky with the northern lights and hit pause, just keep it there forever, and, and that would be the way he would communicate with you. He didn't do that. Instead, what did he do? He said, Father, may I go? Can I go and explain? Can I go and show them? Can I go and with the words that I use and the, the congruent nature of my actions upon the earth, they shall surely know who sent me. And if they welcome me, they get you too. Come on. Come on. I, I don't know if you come from a family like that, but, but in our household, if you get one of us, you get all of us. Right? Good and bad. Come on, everybody. Oppose one of us. We'll show up. I, re I remember my mom one time. This kid was calling my house threatening me. And I didn't take very kindly to that. And I told, I told the kid on the phone, I'm like, where you want to go? Let's meet right now. Right? My mom was in the car as fast as I was. She was like, let's go. Do you see little Miss Terry? She's like, mm, mm, get your son. Right? <laughs> Can you imagine, Amber? That's nanny. <laughs> Spitfire nanny. Just, rawr, just bulldog nanny. He didn't show up, by the way. Probably best. <laughs> I'm... You know, the Evander Holyfield thing happened with Tyson much after that. Mom might have bit that dude's ear off. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> John 135, I love in this passage where John the Baptist comes to the Jordan River and he's got a couple guys with him. And remember, at this time, John the Baptist has his, his own ministry, Right? He's got a ministry, and Andrew and one other guy, and he's, he's, he sees Jesus, and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he diverts the attention off of himself. By the way, a good minister will do that. A good follower of Jesus will do that. Because it's not about us. It is all about Jesus. 
I want you to understand something. In this thing that we get to do of ministry, it is all, it is 100% solely, surely about Jesus Christ. If it's about anything else, it's a problem. Come on, everybody. But John, John says, look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he diverts the attention of the crowd He diverts the attention of the crowd to to that person, to Jesus Christ. He diverts his attention, and it's amazing what happens. Now, if you're John and you're trying to establish a ministry and get some people following you, this isn't the plan, right? I mean, you're, you're, you're immediately, like, saying, I've been spending time getting you to follow me, go with me, to help me on this journey now go with that guy. That, that's a little self-defeating. How many of you understand that? And, and so this is what's taking place is John is le- legitimately diverting their attention to these guys and say, listen, go follow Jesus. Go follow him, right? I mean, if, if you're trying to get your own group together and the infrastructure in place, unless you want your guys to, 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 to follow Jesus, and that's a different deal. That's what he wanted. John was about people following Jesus. And Jesus turns around and says this, what do you want? What do you want? Now, knowing that Jesus is God, that's a little strange. How many of you understand that? And and and, and they, they really didn't fully comprehend that, okay? He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. They also didn't understand he was God with skin on among them. Okay, and so (laughs) he's asking them, he's asking them, what do you want? I think he knows what they want. How many many of you know that he knows that? But he engages them because that's what practical skin on word does. Okay, he's he's the word of God in human flesh. He's, He's engaging in the conversation. So he engages them in conversation. How many of you know that God will engage you in conversation? And they say to him, Hey, where are you staying? Where are you going? Where are you, where are you staying? And they don't ask him anything else, just where are you staying? And you get this sense that if they can just hang out with him, that they'll have plenty of time for conversation. And, and, if he, and, and get this, he, doesn't, he never tells them where he's staying. You can go through the whole passage. He never tells them where he's staying. And he says, he says come, you will see. And can I tell you something? Listen to me. If you're new to the faith, if you're, if, you're, if you're dabbling your toe in the waters of Christianity, there's not a class, there's not a book, there's not a series of classes or books. Here's what I would tell you. Come and see. Come and see. Come and walk among us. Come and be part of who we are. We open our heart, we open our our life, we we say to you, like Jesus says to us, if if you're welcomed, you'll be welcomed not only by us, but by everyone who's with us. And these people, who now we know as disciples, they start walking with Jesus. And the rest of the Gospels describe what happens when they came and saw. That's the Gospels, guys. 
This is the account of the life of Jesus. They discovered him just like we discover Jesus. They, and they know Jesus as they went. You want to know how to get in ministry? Come be a part of ministry. Show up. I tell everybody this. Come early, stay late. Do what no one will do. Do what no one sees that needs to be done. Do what no one knows has to be done. And you'll be in ministry. They discovered Jesus just like we discover him. Listen, what, what is needed now is what was needed then. What was needed then and now is the same thing. It's the presence of God. It is his presence. Jesus, when Jesus invites us to come and see, that's literally an invitation into the presence of Almighty God. Pastor Derek, give me something shoutable, shout about, just drink it. Come and see. Come and know. Come and know. When someone is dying in the hospital, they don't just need a text message. They need somebody to sit with them. Come on. Be present. Hold their hand. It's been a difficult time to do that lately. Come on, everybody. Even I've been able to get to a lot of places in hospitals, not in the last year and a half. I show up there like, nope, you can't go in. When a child is scared, words don't help much, do they? It's okay, go back to bed. (laughs) What? No, what do they need? They need to be held. They need to be comforted. Right? They need to count some stuff on the ceiling with their mom or dad. Right? They, they, they need to walk through a story. Right? And let their imagination switch from whatever has kept them in fear to something that captivates their heart. When someone is hurting, when someone is lonely, what do they need? They need the same. They need the same thing. Listen, in the overwhelmingness of this information age that we live in, listen, I don't need another fact. There'll be more knowledge generated this year than the 5,000 years prior to this combined. This year. I don't need another fact. I don't need another study. I don't need any more science. Come on, everybody. (laughs) Dr. Fauci, where's that guy? I don't need another news flash or a sales pitch. What I need is you. Come on. And what you need is me. We need one another. What I need is a cup of coffee and a listening ear and an authentic engagement. What I need is time with people. What you need is time with people. What you need is, is, is someone with skin on that's willing to spend the time and effort and energy it takes to have that connection. Come on, everybody. What we need, what we need to show the world who Jesus is, is just like he said, come and see. Listen, hospitality is not just in Middle Eastern culture. It's kingdom culture. The New Testament Greek word translated hospitality, this is literally what hospitality means, the love of strangers. 
Well, I'm hospitable with people I know. I'm just really uncomfortable with people I don't know. Jesus was really comfortable with you, who he knew very well. Even when we were against him. Come on. Listen, it's commanded and commended in scripture, both things, right? It's, it, in the Old Testament, it's specifically commanded by God. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33. When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. With open arms. We love people. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Don't forget to show hospitality. There's that word again. To strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without ever realizing it. Pastor Jim Hennessy, I was with him this week. It's the reason I went fishing. Because I would dig ditches to spend a week with Jim Hennessy. Because of the wisdom that drips from his lips. Because of, the, because of the come and see. I don't care what we're doing, Pastor Jim, I'm with you. <laughs> because when a man will put his hand on your shoulder and call you a son, pull you in close, and pray for you, and mentor you, love you, regardless of where you are, the condition of your, your heart, your surroundings, what's taking place in the forward progress and momentum of your life in that moment. It was a come and see few days for me. Pastor Jim told me and Jason a story this week. He said when he first went to Trinity in Dallas, he said that they were about two weeks away from closing the church because the church was so um, financially unstable they had been behind on their electric bill for about three years like not paid it in three years anything every week he was talking the electric company to keep the light talking the electric company into keeping the lights on and the water turned onto the building so the toilets would flush just to hopefully God would grace them with a little bit of momentum and forward progress that the Spirit of God might show up in that church and people get excited about the work that God was yet to do there and they continue forward. Pastor Jim said we were about $80,000 behind just to the electric company. And he said three weeks in a row there was a, a woman that showed up in their church the first week no one really met her. He saw her, but she slipped out after the service before he could get to her. He had no idea, but she dropped a $12,000 check in the offering. The next week, she dropped a $25,000 check in the offering. He didn't know her. No one got to her. <laughs> they didn't know who this woman was. But when a $25,000 check comes through the finance office, it gets some attention. As it should, yes. Okay. By the way, things have changed a whole lot. Last week, he got a check for 300000 One, One of them. Things have changed, okay. 
So now that, that was when the church was about five or 600. Now the church is about 8,000, 8 to 10,000. So it's a little different. Okay? But I just, I'm painting a picture for you. Do you understand this? The third week, between, well, after the second week, he, he calls his associate pastor in his office and he says, listen, we need to find out who this woman is. I would like to call her and send her a thank you card just saying, hey, thank you for seeing and, and, and processing the vision of the church and the direction of where God's leading us. Thank you for partnering with us and being part of what's going on here. We would love to get to know who you are. Here's the problem. The, when they called the bank to find out the information for the woman, number one, the address didn't exist. Number two, she didn't have an account with that bank. But the second check cleared too. And the third check of $50,000 cleared the next week. And Pastor Jim said, without a doubt in my mind, God sent an angel to encourage our house. I'll tell you a story about something that happened right here in this house. There was a young man named Bernard Bukiana from Rwanda, Africa, who came here as a master's commission student. It's a master's commission is a discipleship group of, of college students that go, instead of going to college, university, they go and in, 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 in get, get involved in a master's commission, and it's a year or two long discipleship process, and Bernard came with a group from Oklahoma City, and he was with us, and Bernard was such an interesting guy. How many of you have seen the movie Hotel Rwanda? If you haven't seen it, you need to go watch it. It's a fabulous movie. It, it, it talks about the, the, the civil war between the Hutu and the Tutsi tribe in Rwanda. And here's the deal. Bernard's family, his mom was Hutu, his father was Tutsi. His father's family killed his mom's family. All of them. He watched his grandparents buried alive. And for four months after the Holocaust... He buried his family members when he found them. This young man had lived through an atrocity that none of us in this room will ever face. We will never witness. We will never understand or see. And, and the process of this time period in his life, he, he had gone through, right before this, he had gone through a period of, of time where someone had been reaching out to him in hospitality saying, come and see. And he had, gone to a, he had gone to a small Bible study at a coffee shop, and he had gone there as, as a student, and he began to hear the gospel message of Jesus. And when he went home to tell his father, his dad told him this, son, you leave again on Monday for two weeks of boarding school. In, in, in most countries in the world, children don't live with their parents during their school age years. They live in boarding schools. And so Bernard was going to go again for two weeks back to the boarding school. And his father looked at him in the eye and said this, son, you need to be sure that you have made the decision of whether you're going to live for this God or not. Tell me when you get home. Bernard goes back to boarding school for two weeks. He's all excited. He's, he's in his Bible. He's reading. He's studying. He goes home, and his father says, Son, what is your decision? And he says, Father, I have decided to give my life to Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my soul. I will live for him forever. And his father beat him nearly to death, broke both of his legs, and threw him out of the house. And he said, Not my son. 
You're no longer my son. You've denounced our gods. Get out. Bernard lived homeless for four years on the streets of Rwanda. And then the Holocaust came. The Civil War came. Of that tribe, of that nation, there were literally millions of people. It was, it was unbelievable, the death, the toll that was. And this young man was so passionate about his heavenly father. Time after time, he would return back home and say, Father, he would, he would literally, he'd stand afar off. He was afraid of his dad. And he'd share his faith from across the road. Come and see. Father, come and see. You will know something different than what you've, all, what you've all always known. You don't have to treat people the way you've treated me. You don't have to treat the family. I know the horrible things that have happened. But Father, come and see. This is a God who will forgive you. This is a God who will redeem the past. This is a God who will change it all. Come and see. We met this young man when he came. He just lit up the room. I couldn't get enough of Bernard. I ended up, he, he, after master's commission, he, he had his own ministry and was going back to Rwanda. <clears throat> and I ended up on his board, his missions board, and we, we raised money for him. And part of that was bringing Bernard back here. He, we brought him back here. He preached on a Sunday morning, powerful minister of the gospel of Jesus. I told him, I said, listen, I can call around pastor friends that I know and I can take you to other churches and I can have you speak and they can help raise some money for you to go back home. And his, his entire missions budget for an, a year was $12,000. And up to, to this point, he had traveled for six months and he had 2500 bucks in his pocket. That's all he'd gotten. Most churches that had him come in and preach, they would pay his, they would pay his Greyhound ticket from their city to the next one. He came and he had two weeks left and I said, come and spend time with us. I didn't know what God was going to do. The first Sunday he was here, we had a great service. That Sunday night we loaded in the van, went to Albuquerque. He preached at a, at a church in Albuquerque, my, my former youth pastor, Kent Bernard's church, Grace in Albuquerque. He preached there that Sunday night. We, we drove immediately back here the next day. We loaded him up. I took him to Hobbs, New Mexico. He preached in a service that night. I drove him all around the state of New Mexico for two weeks. And on the last Sunday that he was here, the last Sunday he was here, I said, man, you've already preached once, but I want to have you preach again. And he stepped into this pulpit and he delivered a message. And there was a family that slipped in, a husband and a wife slipped in. They sat toward the back. They sat there. They engaged in service. They were, they, they, you know, just jumped into worship. They worshiped the Lord. They sang you know, the whole thing, I just noticed that because I was on the platform leading worship. And after service, our secretary treasurer, Ellen Schenkel, she said, Pastor Derek, she called me that afternoon. She said, hey, you, you got to see this. And I said, what? She said, no, come by the office. And I stopped into the office, and there was a check in the, in, in the offering that morning for $12,000. The entirety of his budget for the next annual year. We never saw that family again. We don't know who they are. We don't know why they were here. I, I know why they were here. 
listen, when we're hospitable, come on, when we, when we open our hearts to the world around us and say, come and see, something incredible happens. Jesus does something incredible. Come on, everybody. Without even realizing it, it says in Scripture. Listen, when hospitality is in play, good things happen. How many of you know that? You say, you're not talking about us being hospitable. You're talking about this other person being hospitable to us. Yeah, that's true, but the idea is that, that it's, it's a kingdom idea. It's a kingdom principle. Jesus treats you better than anyone else could ever treat you. He died for you. This has been a principle of our lives. Gail and I are so thankful to grow up in families who this was just a part of the fabric. That this, was, this is a core value of who our families are. When you get us, you get all of us. Right? If I have something, you can borrow it. With the exception of a couple things. Smile at me. They're really loud. No, I'd probably lend those to you. Just one reaching one. Just reaching out. Just showing, just one move of hospital. It can change a life. Come on. There's a man in Australia who lives on the edge of a cliff. Often he... People go to that place in a moment of desperation to commit suicide. In 50 years of living there, he's helped prevent more than 160 suicides simply by asking people to come in and enjoy a cup of tea. Changing the narrative in a desperate moment. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. If you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. What is God speaking to you this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? How, how could we up our level of hospitality, corporately and individually? By the way, if it doesn't happen individually, it'll never happen corporately. You know that? What could we do? How could we, how could we treat people better? How could we serve our city more? How could we spend time and effort and energy in this area of life? It means so much. Well, it's, it's not that big of a deal. We just need flashier services and, and, and better speaking. Is it? Is that what we need? I think the world has plenty of that. Yes? Listen, if you want to flash your service, there's a lot of YouTube out there. Come on. So what could Jesus mean in Matthew 10 when he says, if you love any of these more than me, you aren't worthy of me. I think he means that when someone gets you as a friend, they also get Jesus and his father. There is no greater gift. Not that they have salvation they, in that moment. They have to respond to God in salvation, right? It, it, it's an act of faith. We have to believe and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. But the spirit of Jesus is in you already because you've given your life to him. And when somebody gives you space, when they invite you in, they get the presence of God that comes with you. And there's just something about the presence of God. Can it be that when you make a friend, someone invites you into their space, that because Jesus comes with you, they get the possibility of redemption?
They get the possibility of their whole life being turned inside because they got to hang out with you over lunch. Now, don't get a big head here. I'm not saying that. You get me, you get Jesus, because I'm close to him. Are you now? Right? Because that didn't sound like him. <laughs> right? What did he say? Follow me. Right? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You might say, well, that, that didn't sound very lawfully. If you're not the one getting set free, listen, the whole idea is I need someone to come along and carry life with me because I have to carry all my junk. If I have to carry life by myself, by the time I get to the end, I'll be glad to die. Did you hear me? He comes along and says, why don't you allow me to take that and I'll swap that out for my joy? Why don't you exchange what you have, that, that heartache right now? Why don't you give, why don't you exchange that for the peace that I'm willing to give you? And when you walk into the room, listen, you bring that possibility with you as a follower of Jesus. I used to walk into rooms, and I'll just be honest, sometimes I still do. I used to walk into rooms like this because I'm, kind, I'm naturally an introvert, so I'm like, I don't want to be seen or heard, right? You know what I've come to know? Sometimes God invites me into spaces or people invite me into spaces because of their godly hospitality. They've welcomed this stranger in. And where I go, I get to take him with me. And where I'm invited in, obviously Jesus needs to be. And when they meet him, they get his father too. Come on, church. And Jesus says, not only you get me, but, but I am the father of one. You also get the father. I love we're in Matthew's gospel where Jesus is getting baptized. Right in Matthew 3, a voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Guess what? This, he gets approval from his father before he'd done anything yet. Ministry hadn't even begun. I've had people tell me this. Of course his dad was proud of him. Look at all he had done. He hadn't done anything yet other than work alongside of his dad in the, in the carpentry shop. Come on, church. He hadn't raised one from the dead, has not healed anybody, hadn't died on the cross. None of that had, done, had, been ha had happened yet. We live in a gener generation now who, who often know the nurturing of a mother but don't have the nurturing of a father. Man. Listen, I'm... I'm here to tell you right now, you might never get an approval from an earthly father. You've got the approval from a heavenly father. The father of all fathers. Come on, church. What if you got that stamp of approval? Scripture says this, when, when I receive Jesus, I step into him. I, I am in Christ. In Christ. In him, Romans. In Christ Jesus, right? I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Christ, there's no male, female bond or free. In Christ, when I step into Jesus, who is approved by the Father, he looks at me and says, he, he doesn't see me, he sees his son. And there are days I'm glad he doesn't see me. Come on. That's what, what Charles Spurgeon says. It's a great exchange. God the Father doesn't look and see all you've done. He sees his son. Because his son has redeemed 
what we've done. Come on, church. He's, he says, I'll take the hit. I, I, I am for him. That's how it is. Why? Because he is, he is hospitable. He's a lover of strangers. He, he opens his heart. So, so listen, it's a mission of mine, and I hope, I hope it's a, a posture of this house. I hope that it's, it's part of who you will become and are becoming of, to make not only myself hospitable, but receivable as well. Come on, everybody. I, I, I don't want to walk around with sharp edges. Sometimes I do. I want to be a person who would be welcomed because when I'm welcomed, I get to take Jesus and the Father with me. Who are you taking with you? Are you welcomed because you've worked on the sharp edges? Some people are like, well, I never get invited anywhere. Yeah, we know. We know why. Right? When you're received, what is your message? What is your message? I think the last year and a half, a lot of times our message has been, yes? Everything that's wrong. I think the message that we bring is, my heavenly father wants to receive you. See, when you get me, you get all that comes with it. Listen, the next time you sit down with coffee with someone, the next time you go over to someone's home, the next game you watch and you invite people in or wherever you're going to go do any of these things, understand it might look like you're walking in the door alone. But you're not. He who sent you is with you. Amen? By the way, we're with you too. I believe one of the greatest definitions of discipleship I've ever heard was make a friend and take them with you. Make a friend, take them with you. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.